Hello and welcome to another edition of the Agency Podcast. Eugene Napik here in Toronto. Guest, agent, Stag, aka Anthony Stag. Hey Stag. And Candy, also here in Toronto. So we're all crowded around uh, our computer in the same room. And uh, we'll go forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Be yeah. Fun. Um, yeah, so we've been staying with these guys, had a great trip up, and I don't know, what's new? Well, they came up here all the way from Chicago to help us out oh, yeah. because um, uh, on, on the weekend last, we had a garden tour in, in our community, the Long Branch Garden Tour with 37 free gardens, and at the same time, we had a <laughs> wedding to go to. So uh, uh, Candy and Stag came down, and our friend Stephen came down uh, to be our garden concierge. That's right. I was a bike valet. A lot of people came on their bikes, and I sat my lawn chair right by their bikes and guarded them. It turned out, it looked like it was going to rain. The forecast called for rain all right. day. We thought it's going to be a total rainy disaster. <laughs> but for the most part, the rain held out. It cleared in, it cleared in the afternoon, and... Tons of people came out to the garden tour. It was really a lot of fun. Oh, at least a couple hundred. All the projections were for gloom and doom, constant rain. And it, it was just a little cloudy, yeah. a little bit of sun here and there. very lucky. It was all right. My job was to collect as many signatures in the guest book as I could. Yeah, yeah, but you couldn't get everybody. You got about 120. That's true. pretty good. And there was way more than that. So yeah, there, there was, was a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. The, Maybe the three plants in our garden, which received the most oh, yes. Thank you. The most number of questions or yes. the most attention. Um, one is a is a tree we have in our front yard. It's a Shishigashira Japanese maple. And of course, when we were at the wedding, um, uh, Candy and Stag and Steven were trying to remember the name of the of the Shishigashira. What was one of the names? That I you said sugar, with? sugar, honey, honey, Japanese maple. <laughs> I love that. And I should have remembered lion's mane is its nickname. That's right. Lion's mane, Japanese maple. But everything, when, when, when I got a little tour from Eugene and Sheila, I thought, I'm never going to have a problem remembering this. It's so straightforward. And I thought, I, I know some plants. But I basically ended up telling everybody, I don't even own a houseplant. <laughs> so when, when they asked me a question, I go, I don't even own a houseplant. So I was useless, but friendly. It was Kesha, Shakura, Shakura. Oh, there's that. Kesha, Shakura, Shakura. So in the back, we have a plant on our on our patio that everybody oh, asked, yeah. asked me about. Uh, and it's a plant which is uh, very common in England, very common in Australia, common in California, I learned. Mm -hmm. And it's the... Agapanthus, and I kept calling it the agacanthus or the agamanthus. Acanthus is the right word, I think. Oh, it is canthus? Acanthus. Oh, it's, it's yes, it's the agacanthus, and I was calling it the okay. agapanthus. I'm still getting know, it mixed though. up. Yeah. It's a, so it's like it's like the aga something. I don't know. I still think of it as the panther arthritis. Okay, well, that's a good one, too. But if it is acanthus, that's one of my favorite plants because I paint that leaf all the time. And it's that's, the agacanthus. Oh, it's agacanthus, so I'm going to have to look at it. Or is it agapanthus? I don't know now. I don't oh know. Oh, my God. But I basically, the other big question I had was, who does all the work here? <laughs> and I said, well, we know the um, house owners because we went to art school with them. And they do all the mosaics and all the design of the garden and all the gardening. People were pretty much um, blown away by that. Because it's a lot of work. Okay, I just oh, looked, looked I just it looked it up. It's the agapanthus. Okay, so you were right. So A-G-A-P-A-N-T-H-U-S is a genus mm -hmm. genus of plants, the only one in the subfamily agapan 
Thoidae of the family, great, uh, Amarilla Desai. Uh, the family is in the uh, monocot order Asparagales, also like asparagus. Hmm. Uh, the name is derived from Greek. Uh, it's also called the lily of the Nile or sometimes the African lily. Wow. And ours is in full bloom and everybody asked me about it and I gave everybody the wrong name, <laughs> uh, which is typical of me. Uh, and then the third plant that um, that everybody asked about is there's a black lace uh, cut leaf elderberry in the backyard. Mm. And uh, the other day during the garden tour, it was at its peak. If you looked at it now, it's past its peak. And a lot of the blossoms have fallen off in the rainstorm we had yesterday. Mm. Uh, but it was at its peak in full blossom, and it's a plant which uh, we get a lot of winter kill from. Like several branches will die off, and you have to, to cut them off, and then it sends out new ones. Sometimes it gets a little spindly in our backyard, but after 10 years, it's perfect this year. Mm. It looks like it's just the most glorious plant. It's also known as the poor man's Japanese maple because the cut leaves look a lot like Japanese maple. And did you know... That you can make juice or wine from it. Yes, yes you can. Did you also know <laughs> that when you look it up, it'll be like a white green example, but the ones that they have in their garden are like a black, black purple. purpley. Yeah. Did you also that. know <laughs> that some people use it as um, like a herb? As a remedy? Yeah, there's one man who takes it every late fall on purpose, and he has no... He doesn't get sick in the winter, or if he does get sick in the winter, it's next to nothing because he has that herb. Oh, I must have a lot of vitamin C in it. Yeah, and then there was a young family that is looking into growing it for themselves to give to their baby as a juice for herbal remedies. Well, wow. It, oh, that is interesting. It's kind of interesting that so many plants are in your garden, and three really were the stars. They really were. Yes, yeah, so over and over and over, over again. again. Over again. A woman followed Eugene, went out looking for him walking Bonnie to ask her about that. <laughs> a panther? The Agapanthus. 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 There you go. Agapanthus. Wasn't even an acanthus. Yes, and it seems to me last year at the garden tour, I also, there was another plant that I gave people the wrong name oh, for. Oh, jeez. You know, the other one. Glad it wasn't a, a, me. A lot of people came and they looked at two plants that Sheila had put in pots out on our back patio that... Um, that were uh, Rex begonias mm -hmm. with these big, beautiful, uh, ornate leaves. And people thought they were another plant. Oh, wow. Uh, but, because um, they didn't recognize the Rex, Rex begonia. So that was new for some people. Mm. Uh, but I think people also enjoyed the birds and, mm. and all the, the sculptures that we have around mm. and all the little yeah. surprises. Uh, yeah. It's a fun garden to to be in. It is. It's like a forest bathing too, because you've got those magnificent trees. Yes, yeah. there's. I think there's seven giant spruces in our backyard. That's plus, insane. plus we share a giant silver maple with our next door neighbor, and there's an apple tree. And I learned a long time ago that there was like a posty postal guy here running this house, maybe way back in the, in the 30s. 60s, the 60s. The 60s. Okay. And 30s. then the, the trees were planted around the 60s or 70s. Yeah. And then one of the neighbor's houses way back then, before that structure is the way that it is, the way that it was, some trees were saved from there. 
and brought over here, supposedly. So oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, the apple tree is part of an original orchard that was here before uh, the houses. Whoa. And there were two of them. And they were basically unkept apple trees. Mm -hmm. Like, the apples at this stage of the game are small, and they tend to get wormy, and we don't spray them or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, and they were huge trees, but one got diseased, oh. and we had to take it out uh, early on when we were here. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other one is still going strong and it's a seriously old tree and for an apple tree it's quite big it's like right. uh, higher than the roof of the house right. and what's great about any tree in this area shout out to the long branch in toronto is this is a community that celebrates like super old trees oh yeah there's the old trees. Yeah. yeah there's an old tree that had like mm. its own day and people mm -hmm. had a party for it so that's mm -hmm. saying something well we haven't had a conversation for a while because our last podcast was with Sarah and it was all focused on succession. But we've had a few things that we haven't even told you about, Eugene. One, and I don't want to get too detailed about it, but you're aware that I was working a lot of crazy hours. Yes. On top of that, I've also been packing to put things into storage. Of what possessions we still had left from our two fires last year, I've been putting them into storage because we're changes happening. We cannot stay where we're staying. Yes. And, um, we're working on what we're going to do in the future without putting too much details in it. I just want to share that with you. So I've had a crazy six weeks. On top of working all that, I've been going like to a storage space, carrying a few boxes, putting oh them in there. Yeah. So when I got here, I pretty much hit the bed, didn't I? Yeah. I mean, I've been sleeping. Well, plus you had the longest drive in the history of oh, ever. The traffic Chicago. was really bad. The traffic was bumper to bumper, except when we crossed the border. When we crossed the border, the guy said, where are you going? Toronto. Okay, bye. Nothing. I guess he was just like, you know, uh, bandits aren't going to come at this time of day to Toronto on this weekday or whatever. Yeah, he obviously did a lot of typing. He checked us out. He did not tell me that my passport was about to expire, though. So then I had to go and go to the famous, typical visit to Canada. I had to go get my passport renewed. And so she went to the passport <laughs> office, which was closed because... Of a water main, which right. closed the whole mall. Whole mall. Well, no, they <laughs> kept the store open. It was kind of disturbing. The grocery store in McDonald's was still open. I, I don't want to know what they were doing with no water. They must have been using a lot of hand sanitizer. Wow. Because even in a grocery store, you want your staff to wash their hands. Yeah. So I'm assuming they had some emergency taps it up. We'll just, we'll just go with that. But anyway, it was also not just any passport office. It was specifically to expedite your passport. Because, of course, mine is expiring in a few days. So <laughs> I wanted to pick it up and not have it mailed to me or not have to drive back and get it. And then you had to go to the dun-dun-dun-dun second location. I tried going to a second location, which you're not supposed to go to the second location. and um, But they don't do with the expediting. So unfortunately, it did open the next day. The other thing I didn't tell you about, because I was waiting for a podcast yeah. to talk about it, was that Steg and I had a little adventure. And a couple of our listeners are going to really find this interesting, because we've mentioned Paducah, Kentucky a number of times. He had two days off, so I planned it that we would drive on his days off to Paducah, Kentucky, which is about a six-hour drive from Chicago, and go to the Quilt Museum. Oh, wow. The National Quilt Museum. Yeah. We did it. I had been to the town and saw... Quilts in every corner store, at every, you know, the at the Kiwana's office, whatever. They had quilts in restaurants. But we thought, let's just go. And he said he wanted to do it. Stakes said he would be a willing participant. Yeah. Which surprised me. Yeah. And... I was surprised when I saw it. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm not into sewing. I'm not into quilts. I respect it as art form and any art I'm always kind of interested in. 
But when I saw these quilts, some of them the size of like the side of a truck trailer, yeah. I was blown away. It got to the point where I didn't care if it was made by one designer, a team, some uh, collaboration of quilt artists. None of that mattered anymore. The color and the, the patterns and the sewing, it was, it was great. Well, it was interesting because I didn't know anything about the museum. I assumed it was going to be a lot of the farm community quilts. Mm -hmm. Classic. It wasn't. It was all contemporary. Really? Yes. Yeah. So that was a pleasant surprise. It was all dedicated to contemporary quilting. So that's they worldwide. Six, it was worldwide. And they had six artists. And of course, one of the first ones we saw was from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, of course. Really? Yeah. And I did take pictures, which I'll put on Facebook and everything. But one of the first ones was Toronto. I said, Stay, did you see this? Anyway, um, the other one was someone who I had known, but I knew them as a knitter. And they were this innovative knitter back when I was like a, a kid and um, through the 80s. And then I hadn't really heard of them for a long time. I can't say their name right now. Coffee? But they were also a quilter. They were American, but they live in Sweden. And I thought it was a woman, and it turns out to be a man. Uh, because they had a unique name that they created. Anyway, um, I took lots of pictures of those. We saw six um, six different artists, but I'll tell you, some of those quilts were as big as a front yard. Wow. They were yeah. massive yeah. and blow, bursting with flowers, like huge flowers sewn oh, together, fantastic. the shape of flowers sewn together, then put into a quilt. Yeah. Um, and then just in unusual patterns of quilts and repetitive and also not repetitive, not us. Uh, not synchronized. If not you went into these other rooms that were kind of like sketches, you don't have to be overwhelmed by the giant size of these things either. They had smaller pieces that look like in that world, maybe comparative to a sketch or a drawing, and they were just as beautiful sometimes yeah. more if you went into the room and opened your mind about <laughs> what a quilt yeah. is or isn't or could be or will be or whatever. Yeah. So it, it kind of made me want to go sewing and to make a quilt. The other thing I did was I had been watching Top Chef on Bravo, a food competition show, which I'd mentioned to you. And I had even mentioned that one of the women on this show, she had been taking her breast milk. She just had a baby. And this was World All-Stars. They had winners, about 18 winners from around the world. 16, just don't 18. tell me they turned it into foam. They did not turn it into foam and she didn't feed it to any humans. I mean, her own baby. She wanted to be in this so desperately and so important to her, she went to London and she shipped her breast milk back to her baby in Paducah, Kentucky. So when I, when I got the idea that we might go to the quilt museum, I looked up her restaurant and we booked a night there. And um, we didn't know where she was going to place in the Top Chef competition. It turned out she was a runner-up. She didn't win, but she was a runner-up, top three. I think she came in second. And uh, so we went to Sarah. We went to her restaurant called Freight House. I made a reservation and we had fantastic food, which I also took pictures of. Was she there? I don't know if she was there. She didn't come around the tables or anything like okay. that. Um, they would have finished shooting before then, definitely. That would have been in the past. Um, you know, probably a couple months before we, we actually went there. But the finale had not come out yet when we were at, at Paducah. So we saw her. I highly recommend it. She takes her family cooking and makes it new and, and different. Um, we ordered tons and tons of food. 
And it was amazing because the prices were really exceptional. Yeah. It was probably less expensive than where we went yesterday. <laughs> the service was great. The decoration of the restaurant was great. It, it was, was a historical little, site. Yeah, maybe? but it was a little, you could tell it was different than everything else that was in town in the area in a good way. Yeah, she took very home, like she had grits, but they were different. They were contemporary. Everything was worked on. So it went with the quilt museum, being a contemporary quilt museum. These were old-fashioned family recipes that she had elevated and made contemporary. And boy, was everything good. One was like baby back pork ribs, and it had pecans. Sign me up. Yeah, pecans, brown butter streusel, uh -huh. and chocolate buttermilk. Oh, my. But it, ta it, it just tasted like a delicious, you know... You couldn't tell one from yeah, the other. It was yeah. just delicious. It was all together. Yeah. And I hope I took a picture of that. But I definitely did take some pictures. Um, the only thing I didn't like was we got a whipped uh, goat's milk, and they did put Ritz crackers. They said so on the menu, Ritz crackers. I felt like they should have made the Ritz crackers. But yes, or elevated Ritz crackers. Elevated Ritz, Ritz crackers. Made homemade yeah. Ritz crackers. But other than that, very good food. And I let the Ritz crackers go. You ate them. Yeah. And even when I sent pictures to my sister, who's a, an amazing cook, she goes... Oh my God, Ritz crackers! I said, I know. Why didn't they make them themselves? But anyways, it would have been much more interesting. Yeah. It would have added something. Yeah. But they did have some homemade crackers. But anyway, I highly recommend it if you're ever in Kentucky to go there. It was wonderful. Yeah, we had a great little. It was overnight. Yeah, easy peasy, and we just had a wonderful. It was probably one of the most relaxing time periods. So did we've you had. do that just before you came here? We did that a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I didn't want to tell you, and I forgot about you it because we had saving it for the podcast. Because <laughs> that's what I do for our listeners. I keep secrets from Eugene. Well, yeah, makes now, me crazy. <laughs> Meantime, since our last podcast, uh, regular listeners to this podcast will know that uh, the writer Cormac McCarthy has come up in discussions um, on our podcast. Many times mm -hmm. since we started, mm -hmm. and old Cormac passed. He's mm -hmm. where the he's where all the good ones go. It's where all the good horses. They're all they're all they're all sitting around their typewriters somewhere. And uh, uh, Cormac had a good run, fantastic writer, um, and he'll yeah. be remembered forever. He's <laughs> I don't know why it makes me guy. sad. It's so embarrassing because um yeah I don't even don't even know the person, but. The kind of joy he brought to my life with his books. It's very exciting to um, love a reader that's alive. And it, he's not a peer of mine, but to love, like I love William Burroughs and I loved it that he was alive mm -hmm. when I read him. Same as John Irving, alive, and Ann Tyler. Some of these writers, just knowing they were out there is part of the passion. Sure. And um, I've met a lot of friends and people. <laughs> I spent 20 years on the McCarthy Forum arguing about the meaning of life with uh, other readers of Cormac and locking horns with them. And then all of my friends, when I first read Blood Meridian, when it first came out, I bought it because of the cover. It had a cool drawing like Dolly on the cover. That's how you found it? Yeah. Oh, my. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Well, I thought you turned me on, but you said you turned me on, No, you, you, yeah. you said you have to read this book. I did. And that's what happened was, as soon as I closed the page, I went, what the hell? As I was reading it, I was, what the hell? But at the ending, is so ambiguous and confusing. And then there's an epilogue. I was like, Eugene, you have to read this so we can talk about it. And, um, you know, my sister and I, at one point, all we ever talked about when we were in the same room was Blood Meridian, to the point where my brother-in-law, he made a rule. He made a rule. We're having a party tonight. Friends are coming over. And no Blood Meridian. Don't talk about it. We were grounded. So that was kind of 
funny. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of substantial friends and people I know and love that um, I've met through the Cormac McCarthy Society. So it's, um, it's not just him passing away, which is sad enough. It's the feeling of the end of an era, the end of a dialogue or... You know, the fact that someone's still alive, they might write another book. There's kind of an excitement. I'm very, very glad that he was able to publish the last two novels, of which get mixed reviews. Some people are down for it and some people aren't. I love them. I think they um, are very inventive and different and paranoid, and I, I love them. <laughs> well, and love them or not, it's yes. pretty cool that, that he, he continued... To write cutting-edge books right into his late 80s. And I Good would, for him, Yes, huh? right into his 80s. And, and I think that's it. Whether you like it or not, it was cutting-edge. It was still in... He's still innovative. My sister read them, and she expected, like, I don't know, is this going to be like a phone call? And she was like, oh, my God, he actually wrote <laughs> something different and contemporary that felt fresh, you know? Um, it doesn't have a typical plot, but it is fresh feeling. Anyway, yeah. I didn't know I was going to be feeling this. <laughs> I want to write about it, but I, I can't. But I'll probably put it into my documentary if I ever get it finished because a large part of it is meeting people that I know from Cormac McCarthy World online. And we saw John Vanderhyde the other day. Hi, John, if you're listening. Hey, John. Yeah, that was that was great to spend some yeah. time with John. Yeah. We, we went to... Um, a tasty Korea for, oh, for yeah. lunch up yeah. the street. Yes. Uh, uh, Karen and Steve run a lovely little uh, Korean family mm -hmm. restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we, had a, we had a nice uh, a nice lunch there. And then we went down to a really beautiful uh, pub in, uh, in New Toronto oh, called the Albatross. It. If you're ever in the Toronto area and you're down by the lake, be sure to stop by the Albatross for a beer. It's a really beautifully tastefully decorated uh, pub. It's like you're you're in a living room uh, belonging to somebody who collects too much junk. Yeah. Yes. It's a beautiful little room. I love it. I, I can't wait to spend more time there. And they we have a really... menu with, with Polish food oh, yeah. and schnitzel and it stuff like that. It sounds good. It yeah. sounds really good. We had a really good conversation at the restaurant too with your friends who run the place about language and stuff. It was wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A conversation the, about culture. Korea. Korea. Yeah. Korea. Yeah. yeah, that's true. About different um, languages and translations yeah. and culture. It was yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So Karen is a very entertaining um, chef and host. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yes. we recommend we, food. We, yes, we really like both their, their food and the people who run the, the little mm -hmm. restaurant up there. Mm -hmm. So it's always a pleasure to uh, to stop by there for something to eat. Well, in, in the same vein, these it's great to see old and unique and new Toronto places. Because you worry when places get gentrified as much as Toronto has been that you're going to lose old, what I call old Toronto. It's like losing old Florida or old Chicago. And Chicago's getting less and less of the cool bars and restaurants. But we took Eugene and Sheila. Yesterday we got them to go into um, what I would call an institution in Toronto. And one of the last of its kind. Um, sometimes they're called old men bars. Sometimes they're called um, neighborhood bars or pubs. The Imperial Pub and Library. Yes, which I had never even heard of. I lived in Toronto all my life. Never even heard of it. Uh, I never even noticed it was there. It's just, if you were standing at Young Dundas Square and you're looking northeast, you see it. Mm -hmm. It's right there. Well, it's east of Young for you. Yes. So that's where they eat their, their children over there, right? I heard that in February. <laughs> that it's really cold said? winters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's east of Young, so Eugene's not familiar with it. But um, it is a kind of a hangout. It, it, it has bands. 
has rock and roll. It has music. It has and a really a, yummy food. Very good burgers. Yeah. Right? Yes, I think Sheila had a, a salad yeah. which looked really nice. It did and, look good. And we had burgers. They, it was it was quite funny because the menu says burgers with six hour onions. Yeah, six so, hour caramelized onions. Yeah, so I said I would like a burger with six hour onions, please. And the waitress looked at me like. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no. Nobody cooks onions for six hours around this joint. So I guess we had 20-minute onions. Right, right. But that's how I make French onion soup. Right. I cook the onions forever till yes. they turn into sludge. They're like the screen of your phone or oh, your mouse. Oh, your French onion soup is so yummy. Yeah, God, I should make some right now. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice idea. That would idea. be a good thing to do, wouldn't But it? different people like different things. Yes. You could go to the Imperial... Just for the old school movie posters. Right. You could go to the Imperial for the awesome jazz they have playing in the background. Yes. You could go to the Imperial oh, well, just to a, walk upstairs the and not go for the, the fries. The fries. Don't start me on the, the fries. The fries were amazing. The fries were perfect. Yes, they were perfect. Where could you go where the fries are perfect? Right. Not usually. Not usually. And I saw in the back they were cutting them fresh. And it also has a round bar with a yeah. beautiful aquarium inside of it. And then yeah. there's some upstairs where there's a library and they... Over the years, the reason I probably first know about it was from poetry readings. Um, I think I read a, when Bukowski died, we went there uh -huh. with Nikki uh, Dromboli organized it, uh -huh. who sells books in Thunder Bay, if you're listening, Nikki. Uh -huh. um, and uh, it has poetry readings, so it's it's very artsy, but it's it's in trouble because the rent must be expensive. I think they've almost closed about a hundred times. Yeah, and, and the result of that is... When you get a burger and, and fries there, it's like a $20 burger and it fries. It was expensive. It's a little on the pricey side yeah. for um, for a pub, I would right. say. I would say it's about $4 right. on the pricey side. Right. I, I think usually if you went to like probably like a Firkin or something, yeah. it would be maybe $15, yeah. $16. Right, right. But it does taste like a $40, $50, $60 <laughs> burger. It I'll does. I'll give you that. And it's in, it's in this wonderful, grotty old pub. It's yes. got a lot of character. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, somebody... Uh, I think regularly pees in the doorway. They do. There's, uh, there's and so you have to kind of hold your breath when you yep. walk in. Yep. yep. But it's nonetheless, I would go back there for lunch. Oh, I hope so. Uh, anytime. I hope so. Now, yeah. and in I'm contrast. Here. They also have an outdoor eating area upstairs. Right. It's not really yeah, a patio, a, not really yeah, a roof. Yeah. It's like a little outdoor yeah. eating yeah. area. If Very you like handy. that. If it's a nice day and it wasn't rainy, you but would enjoy sitting there. Yeah. Roof. It's a yeah. yeah. Oh, the other thing is location on top of a building. We ate when we ate at the freight house. We ordered. We probably ordered about fifteen dip, like appetizers, onion, uh, olives. We ordered so many things just to try everything. It was one hundred and eighteen dollars, and that was with a bottle of um, cuvee, something that like that. Good. We had a bottle of wine too, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like the greatest deal on the planet." Yeah. So compared to yeah, what you, you know, get, what you pay yeah. for sometimes. Now, why did we land up at the Imperial Pub yesterday? Well, <gasps> we did a tourist thing, mm -hmm. and uh, and we went to um, to Little Canada, and Little Canada is located in a sub basement on the northeast corner of Young and Dundas in Toronto, across the street from Young Dundas Square, okay. and it is the result of well. I'm going to say uh, a madman who had this idea that let's celebrate this country. He moved to Canada. He loved it so much. He wanted to recreate it in miniature. And so he met a guy who did modeling. Mm -hmm. And between the two of them, they got started on this. 
and they've just opened Little East Coast, which is mm, why I wanted to beautiful. go back there. Uh, and it's like if you've seen a really involved um, model train layout, yes. it's like that, but add all the actual historic buildings <laughs> um, and technology such that when you're in any of the rooms, it goes through a cycle of day and night every, I don't know, what is it, eight or nine minutes or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so you can see in the Toronto part, you can see the Dome Stadium. And as it gets towards evening, the Dome opens up mm -hmm. and they put... Um, on the big screen, they have video of an actual baseball yeah. game. Uh, and they've also hidden lots of things in there. So there's ghosts. We found a Sasquatch and a Sasquatch Crossing right. uh, sign in there. There's a UFO that's landed on a building. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of fun things. There's Canadian Tire. There's uh, Tim Hortons. As well as beautiful nature, trees and mountains in the Bay of Fundy. And they figured out how to do fish that flop in a boat so oh, in, yeah. in little east coast they have fishing boats and you see there's a big right. pile of fish in the boat and they figured out somehow these little fish they've modeled are flopping around like fish right it's really quite and i thing. think they they laid it out very well because they took the premise of go big or go home and when you walk in the room the first exhibit is niagara falls i think that was the right decision to put that in there because they've got the two falls they have the american side and the canadian side they have the maid of the mist which is running running and she floats across the, and the uh, water is actually a video projection correct. of water <laughs> yeah it's very effective it's very effective the sound effects in all the locations really brought me in too and i'm still in awe going there i picture this in my head i purposely didn't look it up and i thought i knew what i was going to see but the level of scale detail, it was really blew me away. I thought it was going to be, ha ha, this is bigger, a little bigger than that. That's a little smaller. Mm -hmm. Isn't that quaint? Mm -hmm. No way. Mm -hmm. Everything was to scale to such the ultimate detail. I, I was in shock throughout the whole yeah. room to room to room to room. It's a lot. It was amazing. Yes. And the sound rooms. effects are right on the money. Yeah. Well, of one fun. of the uh, the showpiece exhibits there is in Little Ottawa. They have little parliament buildings, and oh, they yeah. have it set up for Canada Day. And as you go into evening, they have projections on the parliament buildings, and it's really spectacular. It is very good, yes. They do a Canada Day celebration right now, and they had fireworks and... And a yeah. crowd, they have a crowd, you can hear people screaming, yeah. you can hear people cheering at any of the games. Music they in had the a, background. They had a hockey game being yeah. played, a rural you hockey all game. all the sound effects. What do you call that, in a park or something, and they had the hockey players skating. And what's really fun is you can go behind the scenes. You can look at the models, and then you can go talk to the model makers. Yes, you can. And they have mission control. Yes. Where you see people whose job is to monitor everything. Yeah. And you'll see, they'll, they'll say, okay, a battery's dead in a vehicle over in this sector. <laughs> and some guy will go running out to replace the battery in a car or something. Yeah. The guy that's watching it, it's like sneakers with uh, Robert Redford or something. The guy that's watching it, he sees a red light goes on. And then he types an email to one of the uh, attendants, the uh, engineers. And he tells them what camera and what space it is. They go fix it. And it's barely a minute goes by, a couple minutes go by, that they stay on top of all of this. So, of course, when we got there, <laughs> it occurred to us that we'd like to talk to somebody there right. for the podcast. 
but we didn't plan that. We didn't, you know, call no. them in advance or anything. No. And and they said, oh, we don't know if we could talk to you today. So we proceeded to ask everybody we talked to if they would talk to us. And they were good employees. They all said, I'm working now. I can't do it right now because right. I'm working. And then we talked to another guy who said, well, I can get our marketing team to talk to you mm -hmm. to arrange something. And we're like, no, no, we don't want to talk to the marketing team. We want to talk to the people who work in here. Right. That's where... The, the interest yeah. is for me. So we ended up not talking to anybody there. But we did, we had a chat with someone who wouldn't record anybody. us. Yeah, yeah he wouldn't re be recorded. But he was there for his 36th visit. Yeah, incredible. And his dad had worked on an actual railroad. And he was part of the railroading club, bottle railroading club, mm -hmm. that used to have a giant layout in Toronto, which I think has been moved out to Scarborough now. Oh. So this guy has come 36 times, yeah. and he hasn't got bored yet. Yeah. He's a keener. And, and I, I thought it was exciting. But our I know, our timing was times. a little bit off, because two hours after we were there, they were going to test the Bay of Fundy. Right. So it was there, but the tide is out in the Bay of Fundy. But they're using water, and... They've got a, a system of plumbing with different widths of pipes and a timer. And the idea is they're trying to simulate when the tide goes out, the water disappears mm -hmm. and it it uh, it reveals things that were, are, were underwater. Mm -hmm. And then after a certain amount of time, the water comes back in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, they, it's a, they built the floor of the ocean in the Bay of Fundy, including different, I, I want to say... Um, a, like formations. Formations, thank you. I want to say stagliside or something like that. But like you would see in a cave. But of course, it's not... They haven't put any of the animal life in yet. They're going to put plants and sea life in there, but it's all bare-bone uh, floor of the ocean while they practice putting the water in. So they were going to time that and do a practice run at two hours after we were leaving. Yes. When we were in the Imperial Pub, they were practicing. Yes. And you can see the labs now where they're working on oh, yeah. the north. They're going to do the yep. Arctic. Yep. And then for next year, they're planning on doing British Columbia right, and the which, prairies. Yeah, I can't wait to see British Columbia. And then they'll basically have samples from across the country. Mm -hmm. And in each of the exhibits, in each of the rooms, they get enough things that you recognize mm -hmm. that you realize that they're modeling from reality, mm -hmm. but they make choices because you can't miniaturize for instance all of toronto no. it's just too massive so they miniaturize it in such a way that they have certain sites are, are key and are kind of featured yeah. and then you'll see that like mississauga and scarborough are kind of close together yes. uh, and you see like the marylands that which are mm -hmm. the the these um really sexy shaped uh condo buildings yes. that are in mississauga appear to be in toronto <laughs> right uh so some of it is a little bit hard to navigate around because they've had to make choices. Plus, they have sponsors. Yeah. And so there's some product placement mm -hmm. or place placement mm -hmm. in there. Um, you'll see certain institutions um, will be featured and they've, they've paid money. And plus, they've made a choice of instead of just modeling everything, if there's, for instance, a piece of public art, they seek permission from mm -hmm. the artist to include a replica of their art. So they do a lot of permissions, more than they legally have to, yeah. because they want to make people happy about, about Which it. is very, very nice. And I thought it was interesting because at first I thought it might be very slanted politically because I saw that they had the highway for heroes. And I found that kind of awkward for me. I don't believe in that. 
since I didn't think we should go to Afghanistan or Iran. But put that aside. Um, the next thing I knew was that they had protesters. And they did it with fun. They had protesters at a beaver company. She had beavers protesting, using beavers. and, and Well, they, you know, were, they were selling beaver tails, beaver which tails, is fried dough. Right, fried but they dough. had beavers protesting, protesting the beaver tails. Yes, the appropriation of their uh, tails or whatever. So I thought... That looks good. That looks like they're trying to cover everything. And a lot of the displays had answered and respected um, original land ownership or yes. land possession. So they had turned to tribes, which was really important. I thought that was really good. And I think they're going to probably do more of that. But wherever they said, here's, the, um, here's this center, they also said, by the way, this is really the land of these people. So that was good. Um, and uh, as, they've got a variety well, of dialogue. The people who work there... They can have input. If they have, if they have an idea, like, wouldn't it be great if we had beavers protesting? Yes. And they could suggest it. And then a lot of times that gets approved and they mm -hmm. build it. Yeah. So they have all kinds of fun things that, that people who work there have thought of. Right. The, the actual staff, it hasn't been a board of directors talking down. It's been the artists have said, what about this idea? They discuss it and it may or may not go. But I thought that was fantastic. Yes. One of my favorites was when you get to in, into the Little East Coast... In, uh, in Newfoundland, mm. there's, I guess, a kitchen party going on in a house, <laughs> and you can hear the fiddle and accordion music, and then it's such a rocking good time that the actual house is rocking. Yeah. It's moving yeah. with the music. It's and the really lights funny. are flashing, and it only happens at around 7 o'clock at night or something. That's right. So, so you could see it if you're there during the daylight, and you don't wait until the right. cycle changes. You wouldn't see the house rocking. Right. Right? Right. You wouldn't hear the music, and yeah. then all of a sudden it starts. Yeah. So you really have to to take your time and be in each room for at least one full cycle, cycle of night yeah. and day. Yeah, yeah. You can. They even you can. changed the bug and cricket sounds and bird sounds with the whole different cycle of just day and night and everything in each location. It's mind-blowing. Yes. And plus you go into different seasons. Yes. Yes. So like in Quebec, you're in winter. winter yeah. And it's quite beautiful, beautiful with the snowy mountains. Yeah. I can't get over that they could put leaves in detail on a roof and it looks like leaves. Yeah. So, so small. Tiny. Yeah. In relationship to the to the to the detail on the roof. The scale is very tiny. Is it in I don't, train? I don't, I don't know. even know what train it is, it's, but it's tiny. It's very tiny. And once you go through everything, you get to the lab area and there's someone working away who's also there to talk to you and answer questions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we talked to somebody there who answered questions about how they do things, about what the job was like. Mm -hmm. You know, we said, what's it like having like the best job in the history of ever? <laughs> yeah. and, and she was somebody who had some of the skills needed to do this kind mm -hmm. of work. But a lot of the actual skills that she had to learn to, to do the specific kind of modeling was on the job. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they, you know, she learned as she went and, you know, starting with a little bit of modeling mm -hmm. and then doing a little bit more and mm -hmm. taking, gradually getting more responsibility. So that was pretty fantastic. Plus they have a gift shop there where they have a, uh, a kit that they're selling now where you could build your own little oh, model yeah. building yeah. that uh, functions yep. as, you know, a little, a little motherboard kind of thing there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can make a room or a building or you can make just some, they also have a cute thing where it's just lawn chairs facing a lake. And it's just adorable. You And one woman said that worked there said she bought one of those for her sister, friend, her sister, yeah. and took a picture of her sister's cottage and put that view from her chairs 
in the model. Ah. So you could really do a lot of fun um, things. Plus, there's also a station there where you can go in and be photographed from like umpteen different points of view. And from that, you can order up your own action figure <laughs> of yourself. And, and they have them in different sizes. So you can get like one that looks like it's about 10 inches tall. Or you can get one of the little tiny ones and you can ask them to place it in little canada mm -hmm. like so you could say I, I i would like like little stag could say i would like to be uh placed in um in newfoundland walking into uh the house party or you can mm -hmm. decide and they'll figure out how to oh, get I you i want to be there. in tofino <laughs> well you'll have to go back and yep, get your I'll picture go taken back next then. year get my picture taken and go in tofino and when people take pictures you the display is so massive Regular size everything looks like giant. Oh yeah. So it's like bigger than scale. Yeah, yeah, and the color and everything. Yeah. There's and they, a lot to look for. And they've added a restaurant there, yeah. uh, sort of yeah. like a, a cafe. Um, we didn't eat there because we wanted to go to the Imperial, but mm -hmm. it is there. And when we were there, there was a class of grade eight kids, mm -hmm. which they warned us about coming in. They just said, you know, if there's a big crowd of kids there, there's a classroom there now, just go to the next room and then mm -hmm. come back when they move over. Mm -hmm. but I thought that was really thoughtful yeah. of them to yeah. suggest that, yeah. that you can go back and forth. And then we, we're in their way too, vice versa. However, these kids were adorable. They kept talking to us. Yes, and the kids were really engaged they with were. it, trying to figure out where things were and really learning a lot about the geography of our country by uh, by looking at the modeling. Yeah. And was, it was great to see the kids having such a great time yeah. there. It's funny because I mentioned yesterday that I thought about a, a teacher I had at York, and her name was Toby McClellan, a well-known artist, but she taught a class called Experimental Directions. And one of our classes was on what is it about miniatures. And we had to discuss why do we, why is there an obsession in it and a tradition in miniatures? You know, I don't remember any conclusions. I think we all thought it was magical that you're large and you, you get, you, you, you almost let go of your, um, your own perspective. It's like you're, you're like a ghost traveling yourself through it. You're not really, which leads in, to you're the, not attached to the world in a way. Which leads to the movie we saw. They always use miniatures. Oh, the Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Of course, we thought about Wes Anderson because uh, we went to see Asteroid City. Yeah. Uh, with Sheila. Eugene didn't go, but right. we saw it. But he always uses a lot of models. It was right. a good movie. Not to no be compared plot. to Fast Very little X. plot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we went to see Fast <laughs> X, too. 10 out of 10. Fast X was excellent, changing subjects yeah. like that. Yes. <laughs> Doing what I do best. Yeah. It was very good because it was... Um, it's like watching wrestling. There's all these icons of people, and you know who they are in the first five minutes. You do not have to see the previous movies to enjoy this, because you find out who, who's Vin Diesel. This is a story about a lot of immigrants to America, to America, and that their freedom is still with their car, just like it was in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, that Americana idea of my car. And um, they're fighting good against evil. <laughs> and there's action. And there's a lot of that. The action did not stop. And, and then it was there's incredible. action on top incredible. of action. It was, it was so perfection. It was like the perfect summer movie. Perfect, relaxing summer movie. And you know who everybody is, so you're safe there. You know who the bad guys are. You know who the good guys are. You know how it's going to go. And yeah. you're rooting for them. And then the finale had it on a, a dam, like the Hoover Dam. And I couldn't help but think you have all these uh, um, immigrant Americans and, and, and diversity on a working class... Uh, product that the bad guys want to blow up. 
This is very interesting and a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. But we just jumped from our little Canada to uh, movies. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Hey, because I want to of Asterix City Bridge. Yes. A little series yeah. that um, that Sheila and I had watched before yeah. you guys came yeah. here. Okay. And we really wanted uh, we really wanted you guys to see it, so we were willing to uh, to oh, to watch it again. Yeah. And that's a little show. It's an eight eight episode show called Jury Duty. Mm. And the premise of this show is they put an ad on Kijiji in Los Angeles looking for someone to participate as a juror in a documentary about what it's like to be on jury duty. Mm -hmm. And they picked one guy out of 2,500 applicants and they were going to put him on an actual jury. Mm -hmm. um, except that everybody in the film except this one guy <laughs> is an actor. Spoiler alert! Including the judge. Well, they they tell you right after. Yeah, they before do. Before you even watch yeah. the show, so, so you know. That's true. Uh, and the, the the judge was a lawyer who was also an actor. It's like yeah. L.A., right? Everyone's yeah. a part time yeah. actor, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I had to go to law school <laughs> waiting for my big break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everybody was an actor, and this guy they got was such a good sport. Yeah, he was uh, he was really fun. And they had all these crazy characters, and they they really kind of pushed the uh, pushed the boundaries to get as close as they could to this poor guy Ronald, not buying into it, to it. Yeah. Uh, but he just you know he accepted everything. He accepted all these weird characters, mm -hmm. uh, and it was it's tremendous fun. It's so good. I watched it twice. And then I watched it a second time because we got stayed to watch it because yeah. I watched it originally. And it gets funnier each time it, you watch it it's because even you better. see the details. It's even better the yes. second time. So, yeah, they have really, um, I guess, beginner actors or actors waiting to be discovered. And they who get have an roles. improv background. They have an improv yeah. background because a lot of it, they have a premise of the crime or the jury or the case, the litigation. Um, and then they have, they come in with some kind of basic character. Yes. And then they have to... Be able to yes. converse. For, for instance, for instance, yeah. one of the one of the oddball jurors has an obsession with um, attachments to his body. An invention, maybe. An invention. Yes. Cybernetics. And, right. So he thing. has he's wearing a vest that he could suck water out of, <laughs> but he has, he has also another part of the vest that has pureed food that he can, yeah. he can yeah. consume. Yeah. So he carries that, and you think, okay, that's very strange. But then he pushes the envelope the next day, and he shows up. He's wearing what he calls chants. Yeah, <laughs> chair pants. And what they are is a pair of crutches <laughs> rigged up so that you can lean back and you're sitting down on them. On uh, plumbing knees, plumbing pads. Yeah, knee pads. Yeah, knee pads yeah. for plumbers. He has one on each butt with a with a crutch coming out of it and he can lean back. They really worked. That was what was Unless funny. He, until he tried to get into a bus. Oh, yeah. Then he couldn't sit in a bus. But he wears this. And the, the, the suspense of disbelief for the... Um, innocent real person in this is amazing because everyone has their um idiosyncrasies and this guy keeps accepting it yeah he, he accepts everybody it's he wonderful accepts everyone and sometimes he gets mad at them and then they apologize and they make up and they move forward and um he's mostly an easygoing guy who seems like he likes wants to make friends and a really good sport and a very good sport and day after day they do this for about three weeks and they do not tell him and he does not figure it out 
And then they have to deliberate, deliberate yes. and come to a conclusion. Right. And he figures out that this case, that everyone takes the side of the plaintiff. No one, everyone thinks the defendant's bad. But at some point when they visit the scene of the, of the transgression in a warehouse, this guy starts to notice that maybe the plaintiff isn't completely right. That's maybe right. the defendant was is hiding poisoned. evidence. He's yeah. Maybe he got poisoned by some chemical release in the um yes in the warehouse. Yes, and and, and the, the plaintiff is hiding evidence. Hiding evidence. So it doesn't look what what really happened isn't evident. Yeah, she accidentally poisoned him. She didn't do it on purpose either, probably. But um, he he couldn't help that he got high and drunk and then had this other fumes affect his mental state and he wrecked the warehouse. And, and t one of the actors is actually a reasonably well-known actor. And so oh, they yeah. put him in there who's a, and everybody, well, some of the people recognize, some don't, right. but some recognize them. And his character is he plays a version of himself yeah. who doesn't want to be on jury duty. Yeah. So he's trying to get off of jury duty uh, because... The paparazzi are going to disturb <laughs> right. the court. So the judge says, that's okay, I'm sequestering all of you. Right. And that they had to do that so they could get away with um, him never finding out that they were actors. Yes. So they get put into this hotel, and um, they become friends. They have to hang out with each other 24-7. And they, it's almost like a disaster film that way, that they you start to get all these weird characters, and they start to get along. And they have to get along. It's James Marsden, which yes. is funny because he's... I know him mostly from Westworld. He's the good-looking cowboy with Dolores' boyfriend. But when we were at Little Canada, we couldn't help but feel it was like Westworld. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, because the modeling has all this engineering behind it, and there's a control room totally. in the background that you don't see, but then they let you go around and see it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's very Westworld-like. It's very Westworld-like, and we're like, well, where do we enter? I never really understood in Westworld how they get into that world. They never really showed us that, I don't think. There were some contraptions, but then Maeve could go anywhere she wanted. The Fanny Newton character had outwitted the uh, Westworld premise. And, and was, paid the price for it. And paid for the price for it. Yeah, that's true. Jury duty. We've had a pretty um, good uh, Jury few duty. days. Jury duty. I can't even begin to 10 out of 10. It's so good. Um, so entertaining. I think they did an amazing job. I don't know if they could do a season two. I know. Because how are they going to find someone who doesn't know about it? Or It's a miracle they were even able to get away with it. And what's interesting is they finally do a reveal. And that is so rewarding to see the reveal. And all the actors suddenly go like, I'm sorry I tricked you. And we're actually, 90% of us was still ourselves. We just had a little idiosyncrasy to divide us. But we are still the real people. When they went into a bar called Margaritaville, <laughs> and and all the actors were told, you can't have an actual drink unless he has one. Right. So they're all waiting, and finally he orders a drink, and you can see how happy all the yes. actors get because yes. they get to have. They're yes. going to give them one actual drink, yeah, and after that, they're just drinking water. Right. They're going to drink virgins, but it's funny if he drinks. So you, they keep going. Well, we're, you order first. You're the four person. You better <laughs> order first because they can't order anything until he does. Yes. But they can't tell him that so it's very very interesting they have to be very careful never to reveal what they're doing it's a little bit like um candid camera or um punked but it's and, not and the people behind it are two of the people behind the american version of the office yes yes and so some of the flavor of mm -hmm. the characters is mm -hmm. like the office absolutely I said it when I was watching. I was like, it feels like The Office. Yes. And it's quite it's it's, camaraderie. Yes, and it's quite a diverse group of people you're it dealing is. with yeah, as well. 
you know, uh, people from different cultures yes. um, and different ages as well. Yes. One of the jurors keeps falling asleep <laughs> and the judge keeps asking the foreman of the jury, who's right. the one guy who doesn't know what's going on, to wake her. Yes. So he keeps having to hit her to try to wake <laughs> yeah. her up. Yeah. And it reminded me of when I was in university back in the days when uh, dinosaurs um, <laughs> Uh, crawled uh, crawled through the earth, uh, watered the earth. Um, I took a course at York University called Psychology and Politics. And the professor, um, I think his name was Paul Rosen, and he was a Freud biographer. Oh my and God. I think Whoa. at the time he was having some personal difficulties because he was a real nasty-ass guy oh, in the course. So his sad. course was kind of interesting, but he was kind of nasty. Yeah. Anyway, I... I used to sit beside someone that I knew from other classes there. Jeez, mm -hmm. um, I forget her name now, mm -hmm. all these years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but she sat beside me, and I guess she had been partying pretty hard the night before because she fell asleep, and she <laughs> leaned her head against my shoulder. And Awkward. And uh, Professor Rosen said, hey, you, you, and he's pointing, and mm -hmm. I'm looking around. No, you. And I realized, I go, me? Yeah. He's, yeah, you, wake her up. Oh, my God. So I'm, I'm like tapping her on the shoulder and she is way asleep. Oh she is in God. the deepest sleep. And I'm, I'm like shaking her trying to wake her up. Yeah, wake her up. Get her up. <gasps> so I have to wake her up so that he can humiliate her in front of everybody. Oh it was awful. God. That it's, is awful. That is horrible. Yeah. You wouldn't do that now. I don't think anybody would do that anymore. I, I can't imagine that. And kids will still fall asleep today, in class. I can't imagine someone could keep their job behaving the way he behaved. Well, I think that about a few of the professors that yeah. uh, I've encountered in my life were teachers. It's funny. We had to. Most of them were great. When, when Candy and I were at York University yeah. at the time, if you're, you want to, we wanted to be painters, right? Yes, so yes. You, you we're taking art courses, but you had to have a humanities course and a natural science yeah. course. So there were certain ones that were kind of geared for the art students. Mm -hmm. And, and I found one that fit into my schedule for my natural science <laughs> class, which was all about. It was all about symmetry, ostensibly. Oh, that's the word um, I was looking for earlier. But <laughs> wow. this guy came in. He was a guy with a thick Italian accent who, while teaching the class, oh. chain-smoked non-filter <laughs> cigarettes. Yes. So the room, the lecture room, was just filled yeah. with smoke. No. I mean, they couldn't do that today either. No. And he no. would pace back and forth, and mostly he would show movies. Yeah. <laughs> I had no I idea it. what the course was about. Oh, my God. I had to do, uh, I had to do a, uh, an essay uh, that was about uh, symmetry and symmetry in science and cu and culture. Interesting. Yes. So I did I did an essay about the day they busted the Grateful Dead by Richard Brodkin. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Good in my natural science class. Good awesome. Uh, yeah. It was, I mean, the 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 class. Looking back, uh, York University ought to have been ashamed of itself to call it a course. Because really, it was a place for the art students to watch movies and get a grade. Yeah, but that is, you're still learning. There's something happens, a benefit happens during that procedure. Some, something happens. Well, I took one of those courses too. I was a terrible student, didn't get my degree. Terrible student on a good day, I'm a bad student. But I took the course in the Renaissance culture, and that's where I got inducted into the, um, initiated into the Illuminati. Ah, it was at York University. There you Just go. like they um, um, induce uh, spies. They pick at the universities, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, but I want to remember something else because during your garden tour, we had a visit, a surprise. I did not know they were coming, but I want to shout out to Anne and John. I hope you're listening. And I'm going to link you on Instagram to make sure you listen to this podcast. And um, 
uh, they showed up and said hi. It was we, wonderful. We went to school together at York yeah. University back in the yeah. day. And uh, and we all worked pretty closely together we back did. then. We did, and hung out a lot, drank a lot of coffee together. But French we really fries. haven't seen very much of one another over the past 40 years. So it yeah. was a real treat to see uh, yes. John and Anne come by the garden tour. And now uh, Sheila and I are going to go see them Friday night for dinner. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's I awesome. think that's fantastic. Yeah, it was a real treat to see you guys. I like thinking and, uh, about all hey. the paintings and all the art projects. You mm, know, so just many. for school. Just so amongst many. the so many. group of people. You're right. And I mean, it was quite normal for us to go for coffee, sit at the pub, go somewhere, and have our sketchbooks. And I also yes. wanted to yeah. throw in that the, the class on symmetry makes me think of a lot of people who are really into sacred geometry. Well, you're right. That is that is part of it, actually. Yeah. And sacred geometry is science. That's yeah. what, you know, that's part of what I'm writing about, is that there is no difference between religion and science. They are, you know, Wade Davis said that um, the supernatural and the material, they're attached to each other. They're not separate. Yeah. If, if you want to, and you know, in some anthropology, cultural materialism, if you want to know what's going on, you look at uh, Follow the Money. So if there's a taboo, there's an economic reason why we have a taboo. You know? Yeah. If you look at it that way. Huh. Well, I just like it that we went through, um, you know, art, art classes to yeah. to uh, Westworld, to John and Anne visiting at the Garden Tour. Yeah. <laughs> little like little connections in here. Yeah. And it's been a fun few days. Yeah. It has been a fun few days. More than fun. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah. You needed it. Oh, really bad. You really needed a break. So we just wanted to update you all yeah. on a few things. I think we did. And we're going to be back at you for another episode real soon. So thanks for listening. Please email us at theagency.podcast at gmail.com. See y'all.